American author and Nobel Prize winner Louise Glick passed away at 80 years old in October 2023. I'm Mike Landis for UT Tyler Radio. Louise Glick may not be a household name in your household, but her poetry is recognized as among the finest in the world. Poems like Red Poppy. The great thing is not having a mind. Feelings, oh, I have those. They govern me. I have a Lord in heaven called the sun and open for him, showing him the fire of my own heart, fire like his presence. What could such glory be if not a heart? Oh, my brothers and sisters, were you like me once, long ago, before you were human? Did you permit yourselves to open ones who would never open again? Because in truth, I'm speaking now the way you do. I speak because I am shattered. We're pleased to have Dr. Ann Beebe, who is a UT Tyler Literature and Languages professor and assistant chair of the department, as our guest today. Welcome. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Louise Glick was certainly no overnight success. Her first book was rejected 28 times, but in 2020, she was honored with the Nobel Prize for Literature. She was certainly someone who had a long and prolific career, 12 books, the first one published in 1968. Uh, she was uh, born in Long Island, but uh, lived most of her life in Massachusetts, Vermont, and Connecticut. Um, she taught at universities, um, uh, lasted at Yale from 2004 to 2023, where she shaped uh, the uh, early careers of a lot of poets that you're probably reading today. Uh, and she was someone who was uh, just plain brilliant. There was There's a range in her poetry um, across the 12 volumes. Uh, she 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 perfected one thing and then moved on to the next and then moved on to the next. Uh, and then I think that's one thing the Nobel Prize Committee recognized, that from 1968 and, until um, uh, 2020, uh, in her 12 books, she continually evolved and grew and pushed the boundaries of, of poetry um, uh, while maintaining a, a, a central, um, unique voice. Tell me about that unique voice. What is it that makes her work so distinctive? Well, first of all, I think it's a um, a dedication to poetry. She took it seriously. Um, she said in an interview once, um, poet, the word, must be used cautiously. It names an aspiration, not an occupation. In other words, not a noun for a passport. Um, she took what she she did. She took the honor and the privilege of being able to spend her life uh, thinking about words and trying to put into verse form, lyrical form, the, in, in her case, some of the darkest, most um, uh, unappealing parts sometimes of human nature. She, she wrote a lot about death, mm. about loss, about disillusionment, about anger, about isolation and rejection. And so I, I would caution um, everyone, yes, to read her poetry, but you have to be in the pro- right mindset to approach um, a, a Glick poem simply because she demands so much of a reader, because she demanded so much of herself as a, a poet who was unsparingly and unflinchingly honest about people. Um, she wrote a lot about family. Her, her first book was called Firstborn. Uh, and um, that she was unsparing in thinking about the relationship between a mother-daughter, between parents and children, between um, uh, husband and wife. Um, there's a short poem called Portrait. A child draws out the outline of a body. She draws what she can, but it is white all through. She cannot fill in what she knows is there within the unsupported line. She knows that life is missing. She has cut one background from another. Like a child, she turns to her mother. And you draw the heart against the against the emptiness she has created. 
now you, you think, you know, she's writing about children and, and the relationship between parents and children. And, and yes, I mean, she, she does, you know, Ararat's um, collection is about the, the, her father and, and mourning her father, but she's unflinching at the, the, the sometimes tensions and awkwardness and pain that relate family relationships can cause. How did you first come upon her work? Obviously in, in your field you would, mm-hmm. but when do you remember when you first read a Glick poem and what your reaction to it was? Ouch. <laughs> was my first reaction. Um, she is it, starting off. She was 68 was, was associated with the confessional poets. And so um, I, I enjoy the poetry of Robert Lowell and uh, Sylvia Plath and Anne Sexton at times. Right. And so um, she was just someone that through them, I, I, okay, this is the next generation. So started reading. So it was a while ago in graduate school. Um, most certainly when she won the Nobel prize, um, I was like, well, let me take another look here. Uh, and, and um, I became even more interested in her. I, I loved in her Nobel prize speech. She referenced Emily Dickinson and the poem, I'm nobody, who are you? And the impact that had on her, her teenage life of, uh, as, as with so many Emily Dickinson poems for so many people, it just seemed to speak directly to her, right? Um, Louise Glick and Emily Dickinson sitting on our couch um, talking, I'm nobody, who are you? Uh, and, and so certainly after that win, because uh, Glick was the second poet, uh, novelists have won, but the second American poet uh, after T.S. Eliot to win the Nobel Prize. So it was a, quite a big deal. So I returned back to her um, in 2020 and um, just truly enjoyed the, um, the richness. There, there's so we talked about family, but and those illusions, but classical mythology, um, the gardening uh, elements, the um, flowers, the the entire collection of of wild iris from 1992, are um, either red poppy came from that. Uh, the persona, the the po- the flower is speaking, or the gardener is speaking, uh, or some omniscient god is speaking. Right. So th- there's just so much there. There's a lot of classical mythology. Um, entire um, collection um, of Vino uh, about the Persephone um, myth and, and story. Uh, that she's just someone who um, uh, is, as I said with the 12 poems, there's just a range and a constant exploring and development. And the, the Nobel Prize Committee talked about her unmistakable poetic voice that with austere beauty makes individual existence universal. Well, that's powerful. Let me digress for just a quick moment. You referred to Emily Dickinson. You wrote a book about that. That was our first interview. Yes, I did. Thank you for did, plugging that. Did you Did you draw, I mean, other than what you talked about, about the conversation, the mm-hmm. two of them sitting on a sofa having a conversation, any other uh, uh, similarities or? The precision of the, 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 and the clarity of the language, both Glick and, and Dickinson, it comes through to me. Again, obviously never met either one, but that the love of language that they have and the absolute, no poem was getting out of their hands until they were sure that every word was exactly the word they wanted right there. Um, the, the precision and the unflinching look at, at human nature. There's, there's no, there's no rose-colored glasses. There's no um, illusion about humans and, and what, in our most trifling and trivial sort of moments, we're capable, and, and evil moments, we're capable of doing to another human being. Our guest has been Dr. Ann Beebe, UT Tyler Literature and Languages Professor and Assistant Chair of the Department. To hear this conversation again or to share it, go to kvut.org. I'm Mike Landis for UT Tyler Radio.